ready for some football? He talks green and gold. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels. Welcome one, welcome all. We are broadcasting, we are live at the Bud Pavilion inside the Wisconsin State Fair Park. And it is the final Wednesday night live of the season. And we are here for a couple of reasons. One is because, obviously, we are brought to you by Budweiser and Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. But also, tonight, uh, they're doing a nice little tribute with the Toys. It's the Toys Revisited, a band that many of you know all throughout the state of Wisconsin. And they're all back together, all their original members here on the stage tonight. And in addition to that, uh, they're doing a little bit of a salute to uh, Fisher House, Wisconsin. So um, anyway, that being said, that's the reason we're here. And we got a beautiful view, a beautiful vantage point alongside me, Mike Clements, our Green and Gold uh, Insider. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. yeah beautiful day. Beautiful weather this week, huh? Yeah. it's uh, It's been picture perfect. We got a little bit of rain on Monday, and after that, it's been awesome. And uh, we've got a, a great vantage point tonight. Uh, the toys take the stage at 7 o'clock this evening, so you're going to hear some music at some point. But uh, right now, it's... This guy's been around forever, yeah. playing at Summerfest and all kinds of major festivals around around the state for years. Great band. And they and they cover, like, all the different eras. Uh, you mentioned about the weather, too. There was actually a day, maybe about a week ago, that Brian Goodigan just came over to us on the sidelines. Usually he's pretty busy. You know, out in the middle of the field is the master of ceremonies of a three-ring circus called known as a NFL training camp right, practice, right. right? But he came over and he says, is this like the best weather ever? And yeah. we said, no. He goes, I mean, he was, you know, obviously he tracks weather, too. Right. He had one day of showers, but for, you know, six weeks of training camp, it was sunny and 80 every day. It was, you know, it was yeah. perfect. And, you know, whatever, not a challenge of any kind. Um, it was hot enough you know, to, to oh, get yeah. the guys into shape. Right. But uh, I know when the Saints came, they couldn't get over how great the weather was in Green Bay. And that's one of the things that Dennis Allen wanted to do is get away from the swamps in Louisiana. Yeah. Mike McCarthy, you know, his last, well, he did the one year with the 49ers. When he got to Green Bay, one of the first things he wanted to do, changes and innovative, was instead of this two days out in the sun, let's have one of the practices at night. Right. So they did this trade deal with this generator company. That they got free tickets if they're and I don't I forget now the name of the generator but it's a big white box on wheels and it's got a tower and it's got stadium lights on it and they're yeah. portable and they move them around they're really loud but uh, that's how we had we had those practices under lights for several years and then Mark Murphy said well this is great because the fans like coming at seven o'clock instead right. of missing you get practice more, during the day more people yeah yeah so. Uh, you know, he allocated some funds and, you know, shareholders' money or whatever, and he, he put up the, that Ray Nitschke field with the bleachers, and he's got all those stadium lights and all that. We haven't had a night practice there in about <laughs> seven, eight years. I mean, millions of dollars, and it just sits there. It's not like they let a high school play, team might play out right, there or whatever. Right. But, you know, whatever. And I asked Lafleur about this because every one of his practices were at you know, 1030, 1030 right. in the morning. I said, have you thought about just a couple, you know, at night? Because yeah. the fans right. love it. The players kind of come to life, too, under yeah. the lights. He said, mm, no, nah, not really, you know. I mean, they, they, these guys get in here at 630. They wait, lift. They have their breakfast. We have our team meetings. We have our, you know, we get ready. The guys get taped up. They go to the training room. And then we hit the practice field, and we come in, and they talk to you guys in the locker room. They get some lunch. And we have meetings all afternoon, you know, going over how you screwed up in practice today right. and 
what we're going to do tomorrow to try and improve. And the creatures of habit. Get them out of here by 5 yeah. or 6 o'clock at night so they can be at home and rest right. and recover and, you know, mentally chill out and maybe look at film right. on their own, you know, after dinner. And um, so whatever. Uh, but... Uh, it was. It was. It has been a great summer in Wisconsin weather-wise. So uh, we know the cuts, and we know the majority of the practice squad, if not all of it by now. I haven't been checking over the last couple of hours. But that being said, uh, the Green Bay Packers have made their cuts, made their roster moves, and in addition to that, they have also now started to fortify the practice squad. And so, give me your thoughts on who is and isn't still with this team, and who is and isn't uh, on this practice squad. Well, first of all, I think the the sort of the big story today was some of the guys were detecting words from either agents or sources down in Jacksonville, whatever, that Rudy Ford is uh, probably going to go to Green Bay. So it's like, isn't that the guy that played for the Cardinals a couple of years? Whatever happened to him? Because yeah. for a while, a couple of years there with the Cardinals, he was a pretty dynamic player, showing up on special teams, showing down and showing up in when the Cardinals were running like nickel packages. You know, and he, and he would be, they used him in all kinds of different ways that first couple of years. I don't know if it was because of the coaching change uh, or why he got dropped, but then he spent a couple of years with the Eagles. Yeah. Um, so our buddy see, Ben Kenny knows so him that pretty e- well. That explains that. Oh, yeah. Wait, well, yeah, Ben, if you know more, you know, tell me what he was like with the Eagles. And does this have anything to do with Doug Peterson being in Jacksonville to give him a chance, but obviously he got released. And so Brian Gutekinds actually broke the news because he was actually asked, hey, so about this Micah uh, Abernathy? You know, that's isn't that a great – because, you know, we're loving – we're looking for those Cinderella stories right. in training camp. Yeah. Like, hey, here's this guy that, I mean, we didn't know anything about. Is you know, the 89th, 90th Played guy. really well, too. Well, and, and so he's out there for like a week or two, you know, at the back of the line. But he gets into these games, and he's flashing. You know, he's yeah. creating turnovers, making big plays. And, and he, I mean, he looks like he belongs, right? And you're thinking, oh, here's a guy that's flashing that might be, you know, getting in. And then sure enough, on roster cutdown day, this kid makes the cut and, yep. and, is, and is on the 53. It doesn't last more than, you know, 18 hours or so. And today, during the press conference at noon, Goodikins goes, yeah, you know, Mike is, it did great, but I, I, I guess I'll just reveal it right now. We're moving him. To, we're going to release him. We're going to hope that we can get him on practice squad because we just signed Rudy Ford. Right. So, and and they say, you know, this is a guy that we've been watching, uh, and, and, you know, we're short of special teams guys. And that was the, the interesting story today was Goodikins basically admitting more than ever before the Green Bay Packers – have set aside four or five spots on a 53-man roster that are special teams specialists. Yeah. Gunners, you know, inside guys. Right. More than just the long snapper, the punter, and the field goal kicker. So, I, but it's like, well, you know, why he just got released by the Jaguars. How good can this guy be? Yeah. You know? Yep. And, and the only thing I can say to a Packer fan about that was, well, these are the same guys that signed Devondre Campbell. These are the same guys that found Rasul Douglas yeah. sitting there, you know? Yep. And, that, uh, and you know, if Rich Basaccia says, I can do something with this guy, he will. But, like you and I talked about last week, man, after that, uh, what was it, the Chiefs game? And, um, you know, you got Pat O'Donnell, your new punter, kicking 56-yard punts, 60-yard punts. 
and giving up 38-yard returns. Right. You punt the ball four or five times in a preseason game. And he wasn't game. out kicking his coverage. It wasn't like no. he was, you know, like the hang time was zero and it was just missiles. No, yeah, the hang was like 447 on one. Right. They gave up 118 yards in punt returns alone on, just off of five or six punts in that game. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Right. And the only answer to that is, and what Goodikens and LaFleur were trying to say is, that's not our special teams. Right. We're playing guys, you know, 85 through 90, or in this case, you know, the the 70s up to 80. Yeah. You're seeing third and fourth string guys trying to right. earn a job, and that's why they're either on the practice team or practice squad or they're not going to be signed. We, did, we, we You do not see the special teams that we're working on in practice that we hope to launch against the Vikings next week. I had said that Bisaccia, um it was just kind of like, give me a body. Give me a body. Let's see what a guy can do. Give me a body. Uh, you know, can you run down there with your hair on fire? Can you make a tackle? Can you break down? Can you, can you, can you throw a block? Can you get a seal? Can, you know, just somebody that's going to have a want to when it comes to special teams. And I think that's what Patrick Taylor had kind of said in the interview that you had with him. That said, look, I, you know, if I got to make this team, I'm going to make it on special teams, or at least get asked back uh, to the practice squad on special teams. And he said, and special teams is a want to. You know, well, that was the exact term he used. He said, if special teams is a want to. You know, th- this isn't something that, oh, I've been relegated to the special teams. This is, oh, my God, I get to play special teams. Here's my opportunity to go blow somebody up. So, Bill, I, I can't name a guy that, for me, that flashed, uh, on at least consistently, on special teams in those three measly preseason games and family night, stuff that I saw in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of those areas that I'm like, what am I missing here? Cause, because... You know, it was just – there's one thing my sense was a lot of these players were assignment sure, uh, you know, 90% of the time, whether they're first, second, or third stringers out there. Uh, it seemed like, you know, the, the, the coaches seemed to be pleased with what was going on. But, I mean, I, mean, I, wa- I watch these preseason games two or three times, and I keep on looking for some gold, and it's just – it's just not really there. Right. This was Matt LaFleur earlier on uh, the special teams and that they will be better. If you guys you guys are out, out at practice and you've seen how we've repped teams in practice, um, I mean, those are those are as game-like as you can get. I mean, I always joke with Rich and the rest of our staff, there's always a lot of carnage out there when we do uh, punt, punt return period. So um, those are full-speed reps and... You know, although those guys, for the majority of them, weren't out there throughout the course of the preseason in the actual games, we feel like we've gotten a lot of work throughout the course of practices. Now that you you got to hope that that translates and carries over to the game. So that's what he had to say. Is that you know, you're right that that wasn't our group of guys. Uh, well, the other thing is there is he's like, hey, you know that you know, I mean, full speed and all that. Well, but they're not they're not tackling. And it's not even thud during that period. Yeah. Um, what you do see is, you know, Bisaccia really being detail-oriented on what's happening pre-snap, where you line up, what the formation is, where your line, where your lane is going to right. be. And that is impressive. Is this – okay, let's look at this in a sense of give me the comparison from what you saw in years prior, even going just to last year to Mo Drayton to what you see in Basaccia and the way he conducts special teams and the emphasis to special teams. It's like uh, Pop Warner to NFL. I mean, it's, it's I, you know, I, and I've saw, I sat through this with 
with uh, Sean. I sat through this with Ron Zook. They they put these knit caps on, and they're trying to say who's the right. enemy and on, and who's the, who's our team, and they're just going through the motions, and they're just worried about platooning and and who's on what squad. But you know, you don't really see the action until the preseason. But I can tell you, I mean, I have memories of guys like Alan Lazard and. Echonemia St. Brown, like, oh, God, that's a wide receiver. But look at him, man. Right. He's, he's gunning down the sideline. He's beating, you know, double-team blocks. He's diving and swiping at the, you know, returner's foot, you know, and for a nice loss or something, and you're impressed. Yeah. You're impressed by that. Uh, and I just I didn't see any of that kind of physicality uh, from what they showed in those three games. And we haven't talked to Bisacci now in about two and a half weeks, so we don't know if he's, you know, pulling hair to talk either i mean he was no he, did you hear the press conference yeah he, yeah, he, he just, didn't want to talk I, I really want to talk to you guys right you know i got meetings and all that yeah. so yeah, but so rudy ford um he's six foot 200 pounds six-year player out of auburn originally drafted by the cardinals in the sixth round two years with the cardinals then he played for the eagles for two seasons Spent last year with the Jaguars for his career. He's played in 56 games with fit, six starts, registered 59 tackles. And he's a guy that was on Rich Basaccia's, uh, you know, list of guys to, to bring in. Goody had him on there. Um, and, you know, that's something else I want to talk about tonight later on is just um, the new layer and level of money ball up yeah. in Green Bay. Right. And, and some of these teams – and how they go about their business in scouting players. It's its just incredible. It's its incredible. Real quick, this is uh, Brian Goodikins, Goody. Goody talking about Rudy. Here you go. Yeah, obviously Rudy's a very accomplished special teams player in this league. He's one of the better gunners in the league. Um, he's got kind of a, a speed and physicality that uh, we certainly covet. So, um, you know, we were kind of looking at that situation uh, for a while. Um, a little surprised that he got shaken loose, but when he did, we just were, we were kind of ready to get on that. And um, so hopefully he, you know, he can get here and get acclimated um, soon. So he's not only on, on special teams, but then on defense as well. There you go. Brian Goodikins talking about Rudy Ford, or the newest Green Bay Packer. Let's do this. We are broadcasting live, as you can see, on the Bud Light live stream. Thanks to Bud Light for being a part of the program. It's the Bill Michael Settle presented by Bud Light. We are live at the Bud Light Pavilion. And we are here uh, at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. It is the final night of Wednesday Night Live as September creeps in tomorrow. But they are doing some stuff on stage prior to, and they're going to announce the motorcycle ride and try to uh, inspire some to get pre-registered and ride their motorcycles coming this Sunday. And really looking forward to so many people coming out on Sunday and supporting Fisher House Wisconsin. It promises to be not only great weather, but an even better ride. And if you're coming out tonight, uh, please get registered, sign up. There's flyers all over this place, and uh, there's going to be some on the bikes a little bit later as well. But uh, stop by and say hello. Mike Clemens alongside. I'm Bill Michaels. We've got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle broadcasting live at the State Fair Park at the Budweiser Pavilion right after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Bill Michaels Huddle, broadcasting live out here 
at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. We are glad you're with us. Thanks, as always, Ben Kenny producing, and uh, thanks to you for taking a listen to us. We certainly appreciate it. So glad to have you on board tonight. And uh, for all of, all of you watching on the Bud Light live stream, glad to have uh, the sound on. <laughs> so there we go. Did not know it was uh, not working right, so we got it all fixed. Everything's go- good to go again. Mike Clemens alongside. I'm Bill Michaels talking Packers. Packers, uh, you know, get down to the 53-man roster, then begin to fill in the practice squad. And still a couple spaces yet to go, but that being said, Mike, we were talking about special teams before we went to break, and uh, Gudikin's talking about Rudy Ford, one of the newest additions, and the defensive backfield also to special teams. But, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's some questions. Speaking of special teams, Mason Crosby, activated from the pup list, comes back, and I thought the question was interesting today that said, you know, hey, uh, David Bakhtiari, uh, you know, Robert Tanya and Mason Crosby, all, all ready to go, you know, and he just kind of hedged his bets a little bit. And then again, it's always not going to be, you know, the full disclosure of information, but uh, you haven't really seen much of Mason Crosby, have you? No, he had knee surgery um, in June. During OTAs, he said, you know, it was getting sore. They went there, they checked it out, and so they decided, let's go in there and clean it up, you know, after playing in the NFL since 2007, and it's going to be 38 next week. Um, you know, the wear and tear on the knee after kicking all those footballs. I don't understand why they waited up until the last minute to take him off the PUP yesterday. I was trying to think if there was some kind of strategy there. Yeah. If they're trying to hold on to this kid, uh, Ramiz Ahmed, that, you know, that, that they had in the last couple of weeks in camp that actually, you know, looked pretty good in, in camp. They had him kicking 45-yard field goals into the win. Yeah. On the Ray Nitschke practice field. Right. He got a couple of kicks in, in in some of the preseason games. So maybe they think they, you know, they've got um, they got a safety valve there in this kid if something happens to to Mason. Uh, but obviously, you know, it's day-to-day. They're not 100% that he's going to be ready in 13 days or whatever it is before they play against the Vikings. But that's what they're – that's the way they're playing it right now. And so in the last two and a half weeks, you saw – Mason come out and start kicking around a soccer ball, right? So you know, doing soccer style type kicking, uh, doing some mild football kicking, but uh, we don't know if he's ready to boom it for a kickoff or a field goal yet. So. Right. Well, I know the the questions about Bakhtiari are rising as to whether or not he's going to be ready for uh, the, the game one. My assumption is no. No, no, no. I would be. I'd be really surprised. I'd be shocked if he played game one. Yeah, I don't like to use that word shocked because. You know, nothing should shock me anymore. But, no, I would be surprised, and I would actually be surprised if Elton Jenkins is ready to go Yeah, there. But I thought it was interesting at, uh, when uh, Goodikins today was talking about the offensive line in general. Uh, and, you know, this was, you know, John Dodds, our uh, buddy that you know, has covered the team for right. years. I was talking to him the other day, he, and he said, you know, you watch. He said, they're going to want to hang on to Rasheed Walker and Caleb Jones. Those two big six foot nine, you know, kids they've got that they're playing tackle. Right now, Rasheed Walker is a guy that you know was kind of up and down in college, and sure enough, you know, uh, you know, you get to uh, you get to mini camps uh, or OTAs in the spring, and he's like the first guy out on the side, you know, that's hurt. He's got a muscle strain or something. You think, see, this right. is why this guy dropped to the seventh round and and all, but then they they got him into that Chiefs game, and he was he was just pancaking people right he was, you know he's so big he's such so and and so then that that that's they actually think 
well, maybe they're not ready to start, but we got a lot of potential. We've got some more upcoming Yash Nimans, you know, in this group they've been, here. They've been, Goody's been good specifically, but they've been good at finding and cultivating offensive lines. Yeah. 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 And hanging on to it, too. Yeah. That's I, the I think thing. their attitude is like, oh, wait a minute. This kid is a pretty f- good physical specimen. He's been here four or five months. Give him a year or two, and he could be a sixth man, a seventh man on, yeah. on game day. Or in two or three years, he can be a starter like Josh Nyman is right now. Right. And, you know, because we see that potential. We you know, we get him in Green Bay, and we start feeding him and loading him up playing on the on the strength and conditioning, and they can be uh, NFL football players. So, sure enough, uh, Walker did make the cut. Or, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, I would have thought, uh, see, they, they can get rid of all these extra guys. There's a kid that they had playing center. It was like the second or third team center at Menet. He was released. Uh, no surprise there. They also released a couple of other offensive linemen in camp along the way. But Caleb Jones, though, uh, even though they released him, I think he, they added him to the uh, – yeah, he, he he signed this afternoon right. yeah. he, to the He came walking squad. in, I guess. Um, one of the uh, one of the reporters had said, here comes Caleb Jones walking in. Yeah. Which was hey, – I was glad they signed him. I, I was yeah. glad they brought him back. I thought he might have an outside shot at making the roster, yeah. but I was glad they hung on to him. Now, I've said it to anybody that'll listen. They said, "Who does he remind you of?" I said, "Phil Lodeholt. He's yeah, huge. yeah, yeah. He's a big dude, right? Man. Right, big right, dude, right? Yeah. So uh, that's the good news is that they they felt so good about the ability or talent or the potential of all those guys in offensive line. That's why they ended up doing weird stuff like not having any backup running backs to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And that's why right. you know they had to they had released you know Tyler Goodson, um, number thirty nine who you know had a good camp, looked good uh, in the preseason game, showed the speed and some versatility, uh, and Patrick Taylor that's more the big body guy, more the you know the more of like a fullback type of of runner, but even more importantly, um, they, they gets praise from the coaches for his pass protection. Right. But those guys are sitting on the practice squad now if they don't get taken by somebody else. Dexter Williams, they brought in, you know, former draft pick, uh, halfway through camp. I thought it was interesting that on the day that he came back, Matt LaFleur said, you know, in the time that Dexter was here in 2019, part of 2020, he says, I was, I was really hard on him. Right. You know, and this means he was, he was sort of behind the game coming out of Notre Dame uh, even, uh, and just some of the technique things that they wanted him to do. So they, they pushed him as much as they could. He was a hard-running guy, but he was, he was nowhere near – the level where AJ Dillon came in at, you know, as, sure. a, as a draft pick, and uh, so that's why they released him. But uh, you know, he came back in and, and got some more time in camp and a few snaps on camera in some of these preseason games. Is there anybody that because uh, there was not a lot of shock on this? Because remember when Ted would always there'd always be somebody cut that you'd go, "Whoa, wait a minute, didn't see that coming." Uh, not a lot of this. I mean, you, what we thought, I mean, maybe there was a guy that you had a favorite that was a backup to the backup that you thought, okay, this guy over that guy. And then for whatever reason, they, they chose the other guy. But there was no big shocks out So there. it was uh, the middle of August, 2007. This would turn out to be Brett Favre's last year as a Green Bay Packer. And we're, you know, two and a half weeks into camp. And, you know, you still had Donald Driver out there. Uh, uh, and one of the receivers you had that was a possession receiver for the last three or four years, a guy you could count on um, in games, was Robert Ferguson. Right. Now, Robert had had some injuries, but, boy, he came back and he looked great. Look, Isn't it great to see a healthy Robert Ferguson, right? Yeah. 
And then uh, at the end of practice, uh, you know, we're talking to Ted. And he goes, yeah, well, listen, um, we've made a decision. We released Robert Ferguson today. Like, what? Are what? Right. And we, I'll tell you, you know what it would feel like right now? It would be like if they said, yeah, we released Randall Cobb today. Right. And, and spe- you know why? Because they had this kid that was in camp that Brett Favre was starting to really like early on, a rookie receiver. I remember Brett uh, had a, a death in the family like an aunt, so he had to go to Mississippi for two or three days. He comes back late on a Sunday night, and he goes from the airport straight into the film room to watch more of this kid that he just kind of got a taste of yeah. for the first couple of years, uh, first couple of weeks in camp. It's like, look at this guy. Look at the way he's catching the ball. And a couple of days later, they let go of Ferguson. That guy that Favre was excited about, that Ted was excited about, was James Jones. Yeah. James Jones. Right. So, but this year and this camp, you know, what Malik Taylor, you know, here's a yeah, fifth yeah, or sixth yeah. guy that they released in camp. And that he's he's gone primarily because of the shoulder injury. But these days, Bill, the biggest decisions that they make are in March. I mean, when they decide to move on from Zadaria Smith, yep. Billy Turner yep. on the offensive line, Lucas Patrick on the offensive line, or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, if if the they know that they could move on from him, right? Uh, he, you know, his agent gets them some silly thirty million dollar deal with the Kansas City Chiefs after Tariq Kilt gets you know traded to the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this team, and I think a lot of teams, are just better that they don't have those Mike Daniels stunners. You know, remember yeah. just a couple of years ago, first day of camp, Mike Daniels no longer a Green Bay Packer. Right. And then, of course, that explains the last 48 hours because they had just re-signed Dean Lowry. Yeah. And uh, we wondered if, boy, if maybe some of these defensive linemen, if they were good, they're, they're going to do the same thing to Dean Lowry this year. Yeah. You know? That, yeah, wasn't well, the, that wasn't the I case. I didn't expect Dean Lowry to go anywhere. He had a pretty good season last year. Yeah. And just, unless they saw something that we didn't. I, he was I, hobbling around all through the offseason. Yeah. You know? And so you wondered, like, well, how bad is this? Right. And are they going to cut him just like they did, you know, Mike Daniels? They had a ton of injuries coming into, into camp. They, they had did. a lot of guys. They had that, a lot that of guys sitting the side. Yeah. Tanya was off. Bakhtiari was off. Elton Janko was off. Yeah. Dean Lowry was off. There was a lot of guys hobbling around. So, and, and the other thing is this. Um... You know, when you and I would talk about, well, Marquez Valdez-Scaling, you know, he's up and down in terms of his catches. But, boy, there's times where you could see the teams had to game plan for him because he's so fast. Right, right. And then they have to move the safety back there. Um, and then I kept on saying to you, they got this Jawan Winfrey. And then we talked to Aaron Rodgers a couple times uh, this summer. And he's like, don't count out 88. So he's, like, endorsing Jawan Winfrey. Right. And yesterday, Jawan Winfrey gets cut. And people are like, well, how's Aaron Rodgers going to react? I was just going to say that the question was because he had just praised Juwan Winfrey. Yeah. He's done this before where he goes out on a guy and says, man, I really like him. He's well, doing everything the right. The Kumaro story and, from and three then, years then ago. And then they cut him. Yeah. And Rodgers says, I guess I shouldn't, uh, you know, be talking about these guys. You Anymore, know, and they, yeah. You know, so. But you know what? I'll tell you what. You know what would change the atmosphere at training camp? Was when number nine went out there and started catching passes. When Christian Watson was right. cleared. To start getting it, it was like, duh. There's, there's our, there's our giraffe, man. Yeah. And and is he that good? Well, let me give you an example. 
Well, let's do this. We'll hold through the break. Uh, I will. We'll talk more about Christian Watson when we come back. We are broadcasting live at the Budweiser Pavilion, as you can see over the Bud Light live stream. Tonight, they have got uh, a great uh, lineup. The toys are on the stage. They're doing some things for Fisher House, Wisconsin, which is one of the reasons we're here. We're brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. We'll be back with more right after this. Here we go. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Wisconsin State Fairgrounds, the Bud Pavilion, as you uh, watch it on the Bud Light live stream, and all the sound and technical stuff got worked out, and we're back at it. Uh, Mike Clemens alongside, I'm Bill Michaels, and uh, a reminder coming up here uh, this evening, if you're going to come out, uh, starting in about a half an hour, a little bit less than that, actually, about 20 minutes, uh, the toys are going to take the stage. They're doing uh, kind of uh, some special acknowledgement tonight for Fisher House, Wisconsin, and the motorcycle ride, which is upcoming, which is another reason we're here. So thanks to everybody from uh, and the staff and management here uh, to the Wisconsin State Fair Park and at the Budweiser Pavilion. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, thanks to all of them for, uh, you know, supporting Fisher House, Wisconsin, but uh, doing the huddle, hanging out here tonight. Mike Clemens alongside. There's going to be a big crowd here tonight, and I already ran into some listeners, too. That's, I mean, this is this is perfect out here. People want yeah. to come out and see this show. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, uh, it's, it's, it's really good. Cool. If you're watching on the live stream, we've been kind of showing you some of the scenes. Now, where we're sitting, we are facing the Bud Pavilion. Behind us is the Cream Puff Pavilion. But uh, you see now on the Bud Light live stream what we see in front of us, which just is a growing, growing crowd. And uh, they're expecting anywhere from three to 5,000 people here tonight uh, just because it's good weather and it's the last one of the season. And it's a great band. And, and it's a great a huge band. Huge following. Huge following. Toys have been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. prior to my arrival in 1999. Oh, they, no, no. Oh, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 80s, yeah. early 90s. They've been around a while. Yeah. And tonight is the Toys Revisited. Uh, it's all the original band guys. Oh, really? Tonight, that's why they're oh, calling nice. it the revisited. So tonight's uh, the toys and uh, all the original guys are here. So yeah, and we're here, the originals, so to speak. So um, we were sitting here talking as we were going to break uh, about a lot of the guys were injured, walking around, hobbling around, and such. So it, and wide receiver and wide receiver, and we were talking about Christian Watson. So I wanted to get it back into. Uh, you know, Christian Watson was a guy that had the knee scoped and uh, got a little bit of work done, cleaned it out, and then he got cleared to practice and came back. And so give me your impression on Christian Watson because we have not seen him yet. Well, Matt LaFleur always talks about that, you know, he's got guys, he wants different uh, body types out there at wide receiver. Right? For, you know, your slot receiver, your possession receiver, uh, your main guy, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a taller guy for, you know, deep routes, right? speed, that kind of thing. And they probably had made the evaluation toward the end of last season that uh, that maybe Marquez Valdez-Scaling, they could move on from that. They weren't going to pay what he was probably going to be able to get on the open market anyway. They start looking at guys like Christian Watson in the draft, and mm-hmm. a lot of good receivers right. in the draft. And they said, you know, if they circle and say, if there's three or four of these guys still on the board, then, then we can move on. Right. We'll be just fine. And then you go through, you actually get into camp, and you've got guys in pads, and you got Aaron Rodgers saying, Hey, don't forget about Jawan Winfrey. Don't forget about 88. I think that guy's got some potential there, and he could probably be 
you know, uh, uh, complement Al Lazard yeah. and Cobb in the, you know, in the slot and Sammy Watkins out there. But on one day, about 10, 12 days ago, you had Jordan Love uh, leading the team on a two-minute uh, offensive drill. And he actually had like 50 seconds left on the clock. His team is losing 16 to 14. So a field goal will win this thing. Mm-hmm. And he's coming down. He's making some nice plas- passes, chunk plays. This way, this way. Guy's getting out of bounds whatnot. Now he's got a third down, though, a third and long. And he backs up, and he looks to the right, and he's got uh, Rico Gafford. It's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, speedy, yeah. playing corner. And he's guarding against Jawan Winfrey. And Winfrey turns, and it's just kind of an awkward turn. Maybe it could have been a, more of a back shoulder throw. Maybe he should have given that kind of a target. But instead, he's kind of doing it like alligator arms around Gafford, yeah. and the ball goes down. So now it's fourth down. So they switch out Winfrey. They run the same play to Christian Watson, who runs down the field on the right sidelines. He puts his hands up in the air, 6'4", right, right, and fast, and Love just lofts it up there, and he gets the ball, catches it, gets tackled, but pushed out of bounds. But now they're in short field goal range with two seconds left. They could kick the field goal and win the game. Yeah. When I saw that, I thought, oh, see. They, That's why. They don't need Joan Winfrey. Yeah. So now he was the eighth guy. I, I mean, I can get out my notebook here and show you the notes that I made Monday night. Mm-hmm. I had him at eight. It's like they're not going to keep eight guys. They kept seven. They kept seven. And one of the guys that they kept was Amari Rogers. Now there were some of the, you know, some of the most veteran senior beat guys that cover the team that thought, you know, Amari Rogers is just not really flashing that much. We could see them cutting him and keeping a Tyler Goodson or whatever. Right. But no, you know, I thought that was interesting today that Gudekinst and Lafleur both said, you know what, our third running back right now is Amari Rogers. Yeah. Um... I had said today he's kind of the – now, Shanahan likes to use Debo Samuel yeah. in the backfield. I said he's kind of like a poor man's version of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the yeah. way that he could be and, used. And really not the same body type. But no, I think, no, I, no, I, no. I think that's where Lafleur is going. Right. Like, you know what, we need these receivers. Uh, these guys – these receivers are better at receivers than these guys are at running backs. Yeah. And come on, you know what also that says to me? They're not really going to run the football that much. Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah. I, they're not going to. You know, this whole talk in the offseason was, well, you know, they lost Devontae. So now it's going to be more incumbent on the run game. And I said, there's no way, no way in hell you're taking the ball out of the hands of the MVP. Right. No. Right. Yeah, they're going to run the ball, but they're right. going to do it exactly the same way, exactly the same thing, and all the stuff that they normally do. And that's the way they're going to do it. And they're not. They're not going to deviate from that. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Broadcasting live. Look, Look at that. I called it. See that? Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Amari Rogers, Samori Torre, and I had Juwan. Juwan Winfrey at number eight. eight. Yeah. Got it right there. Right there in the notes. Right How about there. that? Let's I do this. I wish I could do that with fantasy uh, football. I know. Or the lottery, for that <laughs> sake. Otherwise, we'd all be rich. Uh, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Come back. A lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle broadcasting live out here at the Wisconsin State Fair Park and the Budweiser Pavilion. Stay tuned. we got more coming up right after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network.
Dave, we are at the Wisconsin State Fair Park, just outside the Budweiser Pavilion. A big crowd on hand tonight. It's the final Wednesday night live of the season. The toys are going to take the stage in just a little bit, coming up here in about 10 minutes, a little bit after 7 o'clock. They go to about 10.30 tonight, uh, nonstop. So it's going to be a fun time out here tonight. If you're uh, within the sound of our voice, you're in the area, come on by. We're here until 8 o'clock on the air, even through the music. Mike Clemens and I, as we uh, continue on with the Bill Michael Settle, brought to you by our good friends over there at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network and the official beer sponsor of the motorcycle ride. Coming up this Sunday, September 4th, if you can make it, we would love to have you. And uh, the QR code right there on the screen, you can scan it. It'll take you right at pre-registration, get you all signed up, and you can join us coming up on Sunday. But I really, saw, really looking I saw forward you, to it. The, you did a trial run of the poker run. Yeah. And where are you guys going to go? Uh, we go from uh, it, what's really cool and everybody likes, and I get a lot of questions: is are they shutting down the highway again this year? And well, I, I just drove through parts of forty three back from Green Bay, shut down too. Pal, so. <laughs> you know. so we leave MKE Brewing, uh, going down the highway towards uh, the Rock Complex in Franklin, okay, a big sports complex. Mm-hmm. So that'll be closed down. Uh, on Sunday morning, so if you're going to be in that area, just an FYI. That's Where the Milkman team is, and they right? got that big parking lot out right? there. Yeah. And uh, the Umbrella Bar, mm-hmm. and then uh, the uh, new Lux Golf Bays that they have that I broadcasted from the uh, the other week, which was huge and beautiful. So they're going to open up all of that to all the riders and people that come out. And For then, Sunday morning gathering. Right, right. And then uh, after that, we're going to Alpine Valley. Oh, that's the awesome. The chalet is going to open up for us, and they're going to open up the theater. Now, there are no bands are playing, but they're going to let you just go in and wander around. That's just great. Where history has been made by so many bands. Yeah. And obviously, the tragic death of Stevie Ray Vaughan. I covered and, that. Did you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a matter of fact, it was on a Sunday night, and they used to, I mean, they would get 30,000, 35,000 people to those shows. Yep. And this was a lineup of all kinds of great guitar players, including Eric Clapton, right. Stevie Ray Vaughan, and five, six other guys. Now, I had to fill in and do the morning show on a radio show the next day. And I happened to be at the station at Sunday afternoon, 2, 3, 4 o'clock, do a little show prep, you know. Yeah. Got the place to myself. Now it's 5 or 6, and I was like, okay, I'm going to drive back to the east side of Milwaukee to my apartment, and I'll get up at 4 and do that morning show, right? Right. I stopped to get some gas, and Alpine Valley used to have these $10 vouchers where, like, you know, it's the cheap seats up at the top of the hill. Sure. But if they got a couple extra, and this happened to be for a Sunday night show. Right. So I thought, oh, wait a minute. I could see Clapton. I could see Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right. I had a roommate that was into blues and playing him all the time, and I thought, I got, I got to see this. I'd seen him once before, actually, at Summerfest. And then I thought, no, I, I got a morning show, man. Yeah. I, I can't go to this concert. Yeah. So I did the responsible thing, and rather than drive out to Alpine Valley that night and get home at midnight and sleep for two hours and get up, I got and did the morning show. Now I'm on the air. About 7 o'clock, the newsman came in. and He goes, they can't find Stevie Ray Vaughan. What do you mean? Well, he said, yeah, I know. They, they had that show. But you know, there was that fog. I go, I know. I know. I drove back to the east side of Milwaukee. It was coming in off the lake. It yeah. was everywhere. So for about two hours... We thought that Clapton and Stevie Ray Vaughan had gone down in a helicopter crash. Right, right. And it wasn't until Clapton, like, literally woke up in his hotel room in Chicago that he said, no, I'm okay. What's going on? No, I I took a different chopper or different mode of transportation. And Stevie Ray and his team, they were with this chopper. It's dark at night. It's 11 o'clock midnight. And there's this thick fog. 
kind of like what happened to Kobe Bryant. Right. And they're raising up from those hills, and the guy thought he had he'd, he'd, um, ascended Clear. high enough, yeah. and he drove it right into the side of the hill back there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. you know, so just just as tragic a uh, news story as, you know, the Buddy Holly crash, you know, 50, All 60 right. years yeah. ago. And that's kinds of things. Uh, it was such a great talent. And uh, the next thing I know, I was on CBS Radio News, you know, doing reports yeah. about it uh, out there uh, for the next day or two as they did, they did the investigation and all that. So. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, a ton of history there. So then after that, we go to a, a small bar in Eagle and then into Wisconsin Harley-Davidson where uh, we've got two bands ready to go. And so it should be fun. It's going to be a good ride. Very fun. Could so be, go from Franklin out there to the East Troy area Yeah, and uh, enjoy all that history. Good. To, well, hey. Why don't you, you could get some karaoke going up there on the stage? You know, I thought about that. Uh, I think the sound man is against it. Uh, but uh, other than that, I, I, you know, I could, I could rock it with the best of them if I had to. Is I'm it, union and you can't pay me enough. <laughs> That's about the size of it. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, we were sitting here talking a little bit uh, earlier about the, uh, the, the wide receiving core and Christian Watson and obviously seeing what he brings to the table. Over like a Jawan Winfrey, and so talk about Samari Touri because I thought he has shown flashes as well. He's a guy that uh, good speed, good hands, uh, not the biggest cat uh, out there, but still uh, he showed enough flashes to beat out Jawan Winfrey to make this team. You know, and the the other thing about it is, and you know, Danny Davis from Wisconsin flashed as well. You know, good hands and good routes, and just a smart football player. But he got hurt, and as for Touri. Um, he just got better every day. And, you know, he's the one that transferred, was it from Montana to Nebraska, just so he could get spotted, and it worked, obviously, right, playing right. last year for the Cornhuskers, even though that's a program that's been struggling. But it's just it's the route running, the precision. Uh, he got very dependable with the hands, and they kept on testing him. They gave him that number 83 jersey. And, you know, if they got into the red zone, they're bringing him over the middle. Time and time again from right. kind of a slot. And he, and he was catching the ball. He was responding. He was there. And he, he seemed to have good timing, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but with Jordan Love as well. And then yeah. in the preseason games. And, it, it you know, it just got to a point where, you know, we can't deny this guy. You can't help but look at him because he had so many of those plays where you went, oh, Torrey again. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you'd see a flash play and, you know, I know the one that he dropped on the sideline on that play action fake in the in the Saints game. But that was just out of his reach, I think, just a little bit. But I, I he had space. He had separation. I, I thought he did a terrific job. And, you know, and, and again, that whole play itself, the setup, the design, the, the play fake by Jordan Love was solid. And it was one of the highlights that I absolutely noted. Uh, that Jordan Love, I thought, you know, showed a lot more impressive moves and we'll say confidence in the pocket, if you will, being able to roll out and get everybody to bite and go go left when the rollout then came right. But uh, Torrey had enough flash so, plays to make it. Yeah, you know, a seventh-round pick, and I had him as the number seven receiver in yeah. terms of, you know, who the best one. The number one receiver, by the way, though, in the last day or two, missing practice is Alan Lazard. Mm-hmm. They haven't said exactly what's going on there. He was out there at practice today. Uh, go doing just some like some light workouts so we yeah. don't know if he messed up something um in the last full practice they had in pads the other day or what but uh, you know he's he's uh, he's not 100 percent right now but you know he doesn't need to be until next week monday when they how did sammy watkins look uh sammy watkins is a is an interesting story uh from a standpoint of 
Uh, he looks like the pro, like a six, seven-year pro, the right. way he catches it, the way he runs his routes. But he is so humble, Bill. You, you thought, oh, yeah, Clemson, you know, high draft pick right. and you know, all that. Uh, he's not. He's grateful to be here. He's in awe of being here. He's so concerned about getting injured again. He's, yeah. he's kind of to the point where he's a little bit paranoid and talks a lot about it. Yeah. Um, but um, and sort of has to pace himself. But nobody wants to succeed. No one wants to try harder. No one has also just he keeps he goes on and on. It's unsolicited. It's not like this is what he said when he was at the Ravens or the Chiefs or those other teams. Although he did like his time with the Chiefs, uh, he he can't get over how guys like Randall Cobb come up and say, "Hey, come on, come on over here. Right. We've got a hard game going on over here. Or right, come right. over here. I want to meet meet some guys." He can't. And Kenny Clark says, "We we just do that here. We right. guys don't sit alone." We get we incorporate guys, yeah. And you need to be a part of us if you're going to be around here, because everybody's watching. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, that that team thing goes on all throughout the workday. We're going to take a quick break and then come back after the top of the hour. One hour down, one hour yet to go, and we'll talk a little bit further about Sammy Watkins and some of the guys we have not seen uh, because they starters and such are not playing. Thirty guys not dressing and not playing in these preseason contests. Uh, but if you're watching on the Bud Light live stream. Thank you. We are broadcasting live at the Bud Pavilion at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. It went from about, I don't know, about 14, 15, 20 people to hundreds and hundreds of people. And it continues to, uh, we continue to watch them pour in and uh, dressed in everything from fine dresses to motorcycle leathers to shorts and a T-shirt. It doesn't matter. It's a great, a beautiful night out here weather-wise. We are brought to you by Bud Light. They are the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. One hour down, one hour yet to go. The toys about to take the stage here at the Wisconsin State Fair Park at the Budweiser Pavilion. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the starters we have not seen. Coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Are you ready for some football? Talks green and gold. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels. Welcome back to the program. We are broadcasting live. Hour number two. We are at uh, the uh, Wisconsin State Fair Park. Where the toys are about to take the stage at the Budweiser Pavilion. If you're watching on the Bud Light live stream, uh, we got to say thank you very much. We appreciate it if you're listening in all throughout the great state of Wisconsin and beyond. Thanks for taking a listen to us on this beautiful picture. Perfect Wednesday night if you're watching. Now, before we do anything, i got to mention this. Scotty over on the Bud Light live stream says he is sitting here, quote, Bill, sitting here doing a colonoscopy prep, listening to the show. Thanks for keeping me going. Now, when you say that, keeping me going during a colonoscopy prep, does that mean the show is kind of blanky? Or does it mean that we're just kind of getting him through it? No. Um, that just means that he's doing a lot of running. <laughs> Don't the time wear good coming. underwear because there could be some seepage and stuff. <laughs> that too. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh, so, Scotty, we hope the colonoscopy comes out well. We appreciate the, uh, the, the thoughts. Oh, man. But, uh, oh, my goodness. 
Just uh, he drank some stuff that's, uh, he said, kind of fruity, actually. They have to put you under for that, thankfully. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, uh, that's a good nap. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I, Dr. Jellyfinger is right. one who I try to avoid. Yes, thank you very much. Well, I'm not going to say anymore. I okay. Would, you know. So uh, let's go over to the defensive front. Uh, you had talked a little bit about uh, some of the guys. Uh, Jack Heflin, Chris Slayton, both of those guys no longer. Uh, Jonathan Ford is. This is what Gudekinst had to say about why he cut those guys to keep the rookie, Jonathan Ford. Yeah, that's kind of out of Jonathan's control, you know, how many snaps he gets. But um, certainly when Jonathan was in there, he did a nice job. And uh, big upside with, John, with Jonathan. We're excited about developing him, along with the other guys, hopeful, hopeful to keep those guys on the practice squad. Um, those guys have been in the league for a couple of years. Obviously, Jonathan, this was his first year. So um, we're excited about our defensive line group. We think it's very deep. Um, if we have to dig into that depth this year, we, we feel pretty good about it. So, Jonathan Ford, was he in the limited amount of snaps that, snaps that he got? Was he that impressive? Um, I just thought he was kind of holding his ground. Yeah. What Gutekinds was saying right there is, okay, look, I got, I got Kenny Clark. We signed a veteran in Jerron Reed, who's you know, four or five years with the Seahawks and then one year with the Kansas City Chiefs. I got big Dean Lowry in there. You know about him. And then T.J. Slayton. Draft pick from last year, made some nice improvements. And then you start, and Devontae Wyatt. Right. You used an end-of-the-first-round pick for this kid who's very quick. Now, he's really raw and learning a lot and having lunch with Aaron Rodgers. You know, that became kind of a story. Uh, Really great, outstanding kid. So then you needed one or two more guys, you know, in that group. Jack Heflin, I'm telling you, is this this, uh, blue-collar Johnny Lunchpail kind of character. He reminded me of Tyler Lancaster. There you go. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. An upgrade on Tyler Lancaster. That's an excellent comparison. And he's he's making some plays out there. I mean, they're giving him extra snaps in the preseason games, and he's and he's he's impressive in the joint practices against against the Saints. And then this Chris Slayton guy that they picked up. I think he'd been with the uh, Colts before. He starts flashing in the last two weeks at camp. And in the games as well. So he asked the good kids, you know, hey, if you break down these preseason snaps, these guys are looking great, and your seventh-round pick out of Miami, you know, uh, who's friends with Jonathan Garvin, you know, right. your outside linebacker, right. how how did he beat these two guys? And Goodikin says, you guys aren't counting the three years of work we put on this guy. Mm-hmm. We've got interviews. we got college film. We've got data, what's going on in the meetings. We've got how, you know, his strength, all those kinds of things. And I thought it was really interesting. What did he call it? Goodkins had a term for it today. He called it uh, trimming back the back end of the roster. Was that it? He said, you know, we've always done this. This is as long as I've been in Green Bay. So that goes back to Ron Wolf and then even, even Ted Thompson. He said, we, we, we trim back the end of the roster, mm-hmm. which means we want to get a look. We know about Jonathan Ford. That's right. why we drafted him. We don't have that much information about a Jack Heflin, even though he played in four games for us last year, or this Chris Slayton that we brought in from Indianapolis. And so that's why they're using those precious snaps in the games to get all the data they can on those guys. This is what Goody had to say about trimming that back end exactly. 
you know, from the time I've, got, I've started working here, you know, we've tried to turn the back end of the roster as much as we can, you know, and take a look at guys. Um, I think that's really, really important. Um, so with, when I think I started, it was maybe eight practice squad guys, maybe when I started, maybe even less. Um, now we have 16, so there's that probably more opportunities to do that, you know. So um, I think we're constantly looking um, to take a look at players, see how they fit within our culture, uh, within our team, and, and, and try to get better. So there's Brian Gudikins talking about exactly what you were saying. And he got him. He's, yeah. he's got, he got Heflin and Chris Slayton to sign this afternoon to the practice squad. And those two guys are two sprained ankles away from getting in the game. Yeah. You know? Yep. The, uh, as he stated, I, I, you know, obviously you want to put the best 53 out and then have a practice squad that's capable of filling in. But I think, you know, it's imperative this year because there is – I don't want to say they're top-heavy, but I kind of feel like they're top-heavy. They've got a lot of guys – on the all 22 and starting both sides of the, uh, of the ball that are really good. I mean, there's not a lot of weaknesses until you get into the depth. And well, and and when we talked about a little little weak sauce when it comes to backing up these three really good defensive backs you got with Jair yeah. Alexander and and you got uh, Eric Stokes on the other corner and now you got Rasul Douglas playing in the nickel. Not a lot of backup there, not a lot of backup at safety. So, but on the other hand, if you can keep six or seven guys, you can have five, six guys active on Sunday. Yeah. And that Joe Barry can rotate those guys and keep them in fresh. Yeah. That, you know, that quarterback's going to be, have a long day. Yeah. Uh, just an FYI, the voice you hear in the back is Josh Quinn. He is uh, not only the lead singer of the Chief Shots, but he also runs as the MC here and a lot of the production here. And talking a little bit about the motorcycle ride, but uh, that's the voice that you hear as he gets ready to introduce the toys who are about to take the stage. For those of you that are wondering, we're broadcasting live at the State Fair Park and the Budweiser Pavilion for the last night of Wednesday Night Live brought to you right by, by the historic Milwaukee Mile. Yeah, I know. Uh, they had a little bit of racing there this year. They had Arca yeah. races, two of them. Yeah. It's just a shame that that, that whole deal got got killed. I'm, hey, I distinctly remember working at home one night listening to your show back at the old place and you break in the story about the nonsense that was going on yeah you know that was uh losing some of you the talk about covering covering news it was uh the weird thing about the milwaukee mile was the bidding process for the renovation the bill for the renovation yeah who got saddled with the bill for the renovation the actual uh we'll say the bids that came in mm-hmm. and there was uh the rumors and innuendos of a lot of shenanigans going on yeah and there were people that wanted to promote races that genuinely loved racing. There were people that wanted to promote themselves. There were people that wanted to garner money. People that wanted to pay money. It was it was a it, it was one of those things where I remember that night distinctly, and I talked about it. And as I left, I got a call from somebody in the state who said, "You need to stop talking about this." So I knew I was on the right right, right track, yeah. you know. And so all the information that I had received at the time was pretty much true. It was true. And it, it, I gave it to a couple of news people, and it, the story just died, yeah. much like the Milwaukee Mile. It yeah. just it went away. So they're introducing us right now over here on the stage for people turning That's around cool. waving to us, which That's is, good. Which is kind of nice. Great. Um, um, it's kind of cool. You know. Um, so anyway, I digress. Uh, it, well, it's just for me, you know – you come to Milwaukee and start, to, you know, taking classes and going to college and whatnot, and then Memorial Day weekend, you're watching the Indy 500, 
And the very next weekend, you know, I'm, in, I'm interning for one of the TV stations. I got a press pass, and I'm there in the pits. And there go the Andrettis. Yeah. There's Paul Newman walking by because right. Newman Haas, you know, that team is there. Well, a pocket full of spaghetti sauce, too. You kind of recognized him in that. There was a trail. Yeah, there was a trail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But, you know, it was the Rex Mays 150 yeah. uh, that they called it back then. Uh, Joe, was it uh, Joe Baker? J- uh, yeah, no, Jim Baker. No. Jim Baker. No, Jim Baker was the uh, no. evangelist who got caught with the hooker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a whole different story, Mike. Uh, anyway, you know, a great radio guy that was doing the announcing and all that. And I mean, Jack Baker, Jack Baker. How could this, how could we lose that? Right. How could we lose that? I mean, this state supported that. Uh, and the Indy cars that came here, the racers loved coming here. Yep. They really did. It was a challenging track and still is. And Uh, even years later, you know, we're talking to Danica Patrick when she's here. Well, it was funny because, uh, the guy that I used to work with was Phil Cianciola, who was really into racing. Right. Great news guy. And called me up and said, Hey, we're going to go over and interview this driver in the Indy Lights series. You know, they're pretty good, up and comer. We'll see, you know, but has it has some money backing, you know? So I, I walk in and it was, I'm looking at it right now. The upstairs of the tower on the Tommy Thompson Center over there. Uh huh. And we go into this upper conference room and in walks this tiny little girl. Yeah. And her name was Danica Patrick. And she was feisty and loved to talk racing and the whole thing. And within a year, suddenly she was uh, she was running IndyCar. So it, yeah. was, it was interesting to see some of these some of these people come up yeah. in this series. So no well, doubt. Well never say never. Maybe right. they'll figure out a way to get it back. This I'd love way. to see racing come back. I know they have some upgrades to do, but I'd love to see racing come back. Uh, no doubt. Toys are getting ready to take the stage here at the uh, Wisconsin State Fair Park in the Budweiser Pavilion. If you're watching on the Bud Light live stream, we appreciate it. If you're listening throughout, thank you so much. Uh, let's get back into what Goody was talking about trimming this this roster, but more so you're trimming the roster. You're trying to add depth because the frontline starters look really good, but you also have some guys that have some injuries. Uh, you got We had talked about David Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins is coming back. Robert Tanyan is coming back. Christian Watson is coming back. Uh, out of the guys that were banged up, including Mason Crosby, is there, other than Bakhtiari, who do you think does not play week one? Oh. Does Tanya? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, they they need him. They do. They need I think him. he's your 20-yard reception guy, and he's, yeah. he's, he, he's going to become – your Bubba Franks, your touchdown guy. Well, I I'd like to think that they think that they want to get him going. Yep. You know, and maybe they get him for like 15 snaps and maybe two or three targets. I right. think they'd be really happy with that. Uh, just to also counter, you know, Josiah Josiah Deguara there. Right. Because you know the Tyler Davis and the experiment and all that, and then you know Mercedes, he's pretty much just out there to block. But you know, I think they. I mean, they like running two tight ends a lot, and they don't have that right now uh, right. in terms of, you know, re- receiving plays, reception plays. So, yeah, I I, I could see that happening. But from where I see Tunyon, probably right. most likely. I don't I don't think they need to do that with at right tackle for Elton Jenkins. You know, I think they feel pretty good about the the line they got right now. But you know, you're going against Danielle Hunter and Smith, right? For Rudd gestures. This the, the, That was going to be my Ed next rushes. question. And my next question is, because Josh Nyman did yeoman's work last year. Yeah. Fantastic. So if he has to fill in for Bakhtiari, I'm good with that. And um, he knows all about Zedarius. And he knows all about Zedarius. And so, so last year, because of the line issues, 
they had to keep Mercedes Lewis in. They had to keep tight ends in. This year, if you get back to full strength, that changes things offensively for yeah. this team and the play calling capability yeah. for Matt LaFleur. And you can get that misdirection stuff going. Right. You know, right. going back and forth. And, right. Which worked so good against them two or three years ago when DeGore was a, a rookie. Right. In that first game up there in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I I don't see Bakhtiari playing. I don't see Elton Jenkins playing. I, I think they need Tunyon out there. They need Mason Crosby. Uh, at some point, I have not asked the question if if, if Pat O'Donnell, the punter, uh, can kick off too. Probably can. Yeah. To be in the league this long, but maybe they're looking at something like that, like you know, just use Mason Crosby for points, not for kickoffs. Right. Let's do this. Uh, we're going to step away, take a quick break. Uh, you've got the toys taking the stage. Mike Clemens alongside. I'm Bill Michael. A whole lot going on out here at the Wisconsin State Fair Park at the Budweiser Pavilion. We'll be back. Coming up right after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. in front of us uh underneath the roof holds well over a thousand people uh it is like a giant german beer hall seating and a giant spacious floor in the middle with nothing in the middle of it other than people and the goose island ale house when that expanded and opened and adding a couple hundred people three uh, about 300 people over there just underneath the roof they can handle over a thousand people uh, almost two as a matter of fact so you're looking live right now at the Bud Pavilion where, you know, I, it's not the biggest crowd yet that I've ever seen, but it's it's growing. So I'd say it maybe... It gets bigger than... This is huge. No, it'll get bigger. than By the end of the night, it'll be it'll be jammed. Wow. By what? about 8 o'clock, it'll be, uh, it'll be wall-to-wall, elbow-to-elbow. It's a, it's a beautiful stage. It's yeah. got great lighting, good acoustics. Uh, you got food and beer t- to the left and right. And then not only have you got seats, but you got people standing. They get people out there that are dancing. But you can sit back here on the grass underneath these trees, you know, watching the sun gone down. I mean, it's perfect out here tonight. It's perfect. Out. Thank you for asking me to come on down. No, it's a, it's a beautiful night. No doubt. Uh, so sitting here with Mike Clemens, by the way, for those that uh, don't know the voice that you hear alongside, we are. Uh, Packer Boy is here. There, there you go. So how, being in camp that many days, because people ask, you know, with all the stuff that I got going on, I'm doing the show. And we're on the road. and We're traveling all over. In the meantime, you're pretty much entrenched in Green Bay. Yeah. And how has it been this year as compared to last and the years prior? Because we're done. We're done with COVID now. There's there's no restrictions. Yeah. Um. You know the things that I bring up and I talk about, or I do stories of, or I call you at nine or ten o'clock at night and say, Bill, they're going to do this. You know. Right. <laughs> Let's lean this way on the show. I think this is what's going to happen. And. My uh, my spidey senses are a little messed up, and I think part of it is because, you know, to do what I do, I get up about 6.30 or 7, I go over and see what any of the newspapers are talking about. Then I right. go over, and sometimes you bump into people, 
yeah. you know, over and around the facility. But then, you know, we have these press conferences, and, you know, we we think we take down notes of things you see in practice, uh, things that you think about just in, you know, and maybe looking at pictures or whatever. But just, you know, a lot of the newspaper guys, they have to come up with a story. They're looking at a blank page. Right. And for me, I usually can just let the story come to me. I'll see something in practice and say, yeah. oh, that's different. Look what they're doing, yep. you know. And so I try to approach it that way. The, the problem I've had is, is that the practices continue to change so much that they're working so much just on drills and techniques. You know, Bill, like if we're talking about, okay, who's going to make defensive line? Who's a good pass protector? Who's going to be the fifth or sixth, uh, seventh uh, offensive lineman that they can use? You know, I'm used to saying, hey, for two or three times now, we saw these guys go, I got to see, you know, Zach Tom, one-on-one, the rookie, one-on-one with, with Sean, Rashawn Gary. Yeah. And how was his pass protection? Right. They only ran those one-on-ones once. Once. Really? And it's not, and, and, and you know, we get in, we do the press conferences in the morning. We go over to the Ray Nitschke field. There's about 1,500 to 2,000 fans that are in the stands watching. There's a bunch of people that are on the sidelines who are kind of weaving behind, and they start doing practice. Now, I, McCarthy started doing this, and LaFleur did this a little bit, and maybe he'll do it during uh, regular season. The team's first, they'll, have, they'll do like 14 periods, 14 quarters, if you will, right. of a practice. And the first one will be... Um, inside the Hudson Center with the doors closed, and you can't see what's going on. And I thought that maybe that was plays or strategy. You know what they're doing is intense conditioning. They start out the day running gassers. Yeah. Well, Matt LaFleur had talked about that after family night, that they weren't in shape. Yeah. And he wasn't happy about it. And so. So I would get there to the practice field early just to kind of snoop around, see what's going on. Right. And, and, you know, you kind of put your ear to the door a little bit, and you keep on hearing the, the whistles going, you know. And that's because they're making these guys run shuttles, they're back and forth, right? up, downs, whatever. That's how they were starting out practice, which also tells you, you know, how the, the game has changed. You can't do two-a-days anymore. You, you're not out there for three, four hours a day. You're out there for 90 minutes, two hours, and you're trying to make it seem like it's live, like, you got to know the playbook. We're going to run a play. And Matt LaFleur, you know, when you see what other teams in the league are doing, or even if you if you can watch hard knocks, you know, Dan Campbell's got guys out there live tackling, and he's got old-fashioned Oklahoma drills and guys right. smacking each other, right? Right. Matt LaFleur is like, run the play, run the play, run the play, run the play, run the play. It's 11 on 11. And then a couple of drills to work on your technique, and then we'll get some water and go back and run the play, run the play, run the play. That's what he does when they're on the grass. The rest of the day is to get into your head with these meetings all throughout the afternoon, show you the tape of what you did when you ran the play, and coach them that way. The problem with that is for me is I'm, I'm trying to get information on who's the fastest, who can cover who, uh, who's, who's the best blocker, who's yeah. the best pass rusher, those kinds of physical questions. Then we get into the locker room, and... It's funny because the stories end up being like, you know, hey, look, Christian Watson's talking today. You know, how's he? Is he going to come back? Right. And then you turn around, it's like I haven't talked to Preston Smith in four weeks. 
Yeah. Is he? Has he even been in here? Because you're you're so, you know, focused on talking to the story of the day, which tends to be these younger players. Yeah. And and what role they're going to play. You there. You don't have enough time in the day where you can go and talk to a veteran and say, "Hey, come on, you know, what's sure? What's really going on? Yeah, you know, what are you guys really talking? Right? How's this new outside linebackers coach you got? You yeah. know? And so, and then it goes by really fast. It's 21 practices, and you're out the door. And then uh, another thing that has changed. You know, there's like 25 coaches on that staff now, including the strength and conditioning guys. There's a coach for, like, every two players out there. Yeah, there's uh, just looking at the staff that came out for game, uh, for the game against the Saints. It's like you couldn't tell with all the plain-dressed people. You couldn't tell. It looked like 75 people on the sideline that were just hanging out between the players and the 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 coaches. So it was was during joint practices, and I'm walking over to the Hinkle Field, which is the field that they let the visitors practice on, the New Orleans Saints. I'm walking down the sidewalk. And there's these, there's five guys that look like that uh, show was called Entourage. It was on HBO years yeah. ago. I mean, you know, you got guys that look like, uh, uh, no, I can't remember the actor's name that's in Moneyball. It's, you know, Brad Pitt's assistant. Right. They're kind of short, stocky, got glasses. They got their backpacks. They got their kind of hoodies. They got their floppy shoes and pants. Yeah. And they've, and they've got these backpacks, and they are all got the latest Apple laptops or whatever. And they're looking at their phones. There's five of these guys walking down the street on Oneida, okay? And I'm like, all right, these guys are going to the Buffalo Wild Wings for fantasy football draft or something, right? Right. So I asked one of the New Orleans guys, because they all happen to sort of have some Saints jerseys. Yeah. And I said, who are, who are these guys? He goes, those are Mickey's digital guys mickey loomis the gm they're digital scouts they got a group of five guys that never set foot on a college field never need to be out there they are constantly crunching the numbers that the scouts have yeah and that's all they do it's like it's like they are playing fantasy football right and it's just it's it it gets more and more corporate that way yeah you know to, to the point where you're just saying, can we just line up and hit heads for a while? You know, it's funny because... Can you take your guardian caps yeah. off and knock each other around? As you sit there and talk about it, and I get it, there's analytics that have to be looked at and percentages and such. And But it's kind of like when we were talking about baseball the other day. There is so much about launch angle and, and you know exit velocities. And you start to look at all this stuff, and then you finally look and you go, you know what, nobody in the league is hitting over 300 right now. And 300 is an old stat, but oh, by the way, hitting is down, power is down. Some of the home runs are up because of the grip and rip it mentality, but nobody's on. And you start to go, oh, the old way was actually a little bit telling of what you should be as a major leaguer. Same thing in the in the National Football League. They're so wrapped up in the analytics, so wrapped up in the GPS, so wrapped up in all the body algorithms and everything to make sure you're at your peak performance. Sometimes you got to get in there and just hit somebody right. and see who's got the wherewithal and the heart to do it. So the bottom line question is this. Hey, Mike, how's the offense look? Without yeah. Devontae Adams. Right. Without MVS. Right. How they? And my answer to you is, I don't know. I don't know because it's Aaron Rodgers out there to Romeo Dobbs. It's Aaron Rodgers out there to uh, Sammy Watkins trying to get him going after the first couple of weeks. You know, it's a whole Christian. We got him. It's, yeah. it's Aaron Rodgers throwing to Jawan Winfrey. It's all these reps with Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor. And I can't tell you what they're really going to do 
with Aaron Jones this year. Because all those guys, they're not only resting during the preseason, you know, they're taking a, a few snaps to get started. But I haven't seen that drive with the first team. And there's Aaron Rodgers. Okay, here's his choices. Sammy Watkins. He's got Randall Cobb. He's got Lazard on the outside. You know, he's got Tunyon. Uh, I can count on one hand how many times that's happened just because of either injuries, because Cobb was out a couple of weeks with a foot injury, right. or Sammy Watkins has started out with a hamstring, or just like what Gutekind said in this show earlier this hour, we we're trying to trim back the the end of the roster and get these snaps and informa- as much information on these young guys as we can while we have the opportunity and while we form our roster. And now, of course, that flips because they got 10 days to get the ones together and say, right. let's get ready for Minnesota. Let's do this. We are broadcasting live at the Wisconsin State Fairgrounds in the Bud Pavilion. As you see uh, over there on the Bud Light live stream, the toys are on the stage. They just took the stage about 15, 20 minutes ago. Crowd continues to grow. Great night out here and also supporting Fisher House Wisconsin. The motorcycle ride coming up this Sunday, which leaves MKE Brewing at 11 o'clock. But if you haven't been a part of it, please, please, please join us. And uh, you can see right there on the Bud Light live stream uh, the QR code. We'll put that up for you. Uh, So if you want to scan it, you go ahead and get registered. Otherwise, go to FisherHouseWI.org. FisherHouseWI.org and go to the events page. And you can get signed up right then and there by just scrolling down a little bit and going to the register here. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Joining us tonight, we certainly appreciate it. As uh, you, if you're on the Bud Light live stream viewing it, you're watching. You can see what's happening up there on stage. We uh, we are glad you're with us. Thanks to uh, the Budweiser staff and the Bud Pavilion staff, and for supporting Fisher House Wisconsin and making uh, the people here tonight aware of the motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday. Mike Clements alongside. I'm Bill Michaels. So we talked a little bit about the 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 wide receiving core and some of the things going on with the offense, but. Other than Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, has Rodgers developed a chemistry? I don't know. Or is he still searching? Nah. I, like I said, you know, in the last segment, too, I haven't really seen enough snaps of the first-team offense to say, oh, yeah, they got it going. Yeah. And I can only think of a handful of drives in the two-minute drill um, where I also thought that they were letting the defense, you know, play some football a little bit beyond thud, you know, but right. 75% contact where you could see, okay, Rodgers has got this going. And so that's why also, you know, Aaron Rodgers not being whiny. He's just telling you right. what the coaches aren't saying. Like, we're not there. And these guys need to pick it up because, uh, you know, half of my wide receiver core are rookies, right? You know, or first or second year guys. I got these three vets, you know, in Lazard and Cobb. And Lazard's not that old. No, Lazard, Cobb, and Watkins. I don't have any time with Watkins. Never played in a game with this guy. And then I got three rooks out there. So, um, so that's you know. But I'll tell you this: Rodgers looks great. The 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 he might be throwing the ball better than ever before. 
just crazy good throws does, at times. Does he have, and I said I think it's almost an impossibility, but say they're able to spread the ball around, say they do a lot of motion, say Rodgers is on the move, they protect him, the offensive line then comes back together. Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, do we dare say it could be three in a row for an MVP season? Yeah, but, you know, I don't think you can run him that much, you know, at 38. Right. I don't think you want to run him back and forth like like they would with Jordan Love. Right. Like you saw with Jordan Love with some of those, you know, 12, 13-play series in the preseason games yeah. when they got it going. Um, they're showing people, like, hey, that, hey, this is what we'd really like to be doing. <laughs> right. But we got a guy that's so good with the football, knowing where to go with it, you know, in the pre-snap, you know, giving guys a look in the eye and that kind of thing. Hey, inside leverage, safety's back there, change it and go outside, and all that kind of stuff that Rodgers does pre-snap. So um, I, I'm sure that they're just going to go back to what they did to get to the MVP, just with some new players at wide receiver. And, I mean, all this crap about, you know, I, the one thing I will believe is when they're trying to hype – yeah, maybe Aaron Jones will get 50 catches this year. Yeah. And that kind of – I like that because, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people probably too young to remember what the real West Coast offense look, used to look like oh, in yeah. the 49ers yep. and Roger Craig because if Jerry Rice or those other Joe Montana guys were covered or the tight end, you know, they dumped it off to Roger Craig. Or sometimes that the play was designed to do that. Yeah. And, man, you, you kept on having these seven, eight-yard chunk plays and moving – and sustaining and getting defenses worn out. And that's what—that's the game that Aaron Rodgers should be playing uh, in the first quarter of this season. So do you see more just pocket? Just Are we talking just pocket, or is there going to be movement? Is there going to be motion, do you think? Because I, I no, think that's I, the way they're going to do it. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't see Rodgers rolling back and forth. No, 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 no. But, but I'm I just see talking, him doing triple fakes. Yeah, crossing patterns. I'm not, he's going to do a ton of riding the side, but I'm talking crossing patterns. I'm talking swing passes out of the backfield, bubble screens, you know, wide receiver screens, things like that. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more of that, right? Yeah, I yeah, I think so. I, I I was also impressed by an interview that where Rogers did the other day, where he talked about, you know, you talk about MVPs. Um, Matt Lafleur is really undervalued on what he has done because everybody says, well, gee. If, I could be an NFL head coach if I had Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. Sure. Now, there's a lot of truth to that. But, I, you know. It's not the same as throwing the basketballs out and being the uh, head coach for Michael Jordan. As, Bulls. as as good of an athlete of Aaron Rodgers is, as smart as he is, as a hard-working player that he is, and as a team, as a leader by example and the expert of football and all that, all this other stuff that Rodgers has got going on outside of football, yeah, some of the controversial things he wants to talk about in interviews and, and whatnot, you know, that kind of stuff is what's going on inside the building as well. Not that Rodgers is a troublemaker. You know, he's this nice laid-back guy, but he's just off-topic on stuff. He's just – yeah, he's always – and he's also off on some different level sometimes. I, you know, it's funny because I there was everybody asks, did you hear the Joe Rogan interview? And get into all of that. I've got it, time. And it's like I, you know, unless there's something there that changes the scope of football, you know what I mean? That changes the on the field ability or his ability to play. Right. 
you know, there's plenty of guys out there that are different. There's, and I don't, I think it went three hours or something. But the one key thing that Rogers did say is, you know, the thing about Matt Lafleur is he is such a grinder. Okay. Yeah. Now, but you know, you know how these workaholics. They burn out in five or right, six years, right. and they become crabby, and then you start losing the team, yeah. right? Um, but he also talks about how the guy, will t- he'll go out of his way to come up with a half dozen fresh plays just for that week, I, just for that team. You know what's and, interesting. And, 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 and what that says is you see most of these coaches, or the guy that he had for 13 years, you know, that's down right. in Dallas, he's got this big, thick book. He works on it in February and March. And he's, here's your 400 plays, and here's a schedule that takes us all the way through December. Right. And that's the schedule. Malafleur is just the opposite. Malafleur is, I don't know how long practice is going to be this Friday. Because uh, you know what? I haven't talked to my guys yet. Right. And I don't know what our, all the plays are going to be next week against Minnesota because I need to talk about how my guys are feeling. Right. I've got some ideas. I'm going to run it past them. I'm going to run it in practice. So Lafleur is is. He, that's how he keeps it fresh and keeps the energy going with those guys is because he's working on something new every day, and that's his leadership. And, I mean, I haven't seen guys respect and admire or like their head coach as much as LaFleur. And somehow he gets, a, he gets everything out of everybody, and at the same time, they like the guy. Yeah, I, I, I go back to two things. One thing Aaron Rodgers said, was that he was sitting at home and he was watching. It was a Thursday night or a Monday night game, Sunday night game, whatever. And he looked at the play and he went, oh, that was pretty cool. And he knew exactly what they did. And he said, we don't have anything like that. And he texted Matt, did you see that? Can we draw something up? And Matt's like, absolutely. Let's work on it tomorrow. Yeah. You know. And by the time Aaron got there the next day, LaFleur had something already drawn that up. That makes it fun to come to work. Right. And then the next thing that I thought was interesting was Aaron Jones had told me, that he's, I said, you know, how is it, you know, when LaFleur wants run, things run a certain way or something new comes in? He said, you know, he gets the feedback. And he said he'll talk to us and say, how's it feel? And Aaron Jones says, we ran a play seven, eight times. It just didn't work. It just didn't feel right. It right. Just, we, we couldn't do what it needed, needed to be done on paper. And LaFleur said, okay, let's just scrap it. Let's just scrap it. We'll just draw it up different. We'll bring it back later. And they did. They brought it back later in the season after they finally figured out a couple of nuances along the way with other plays that they said, okay, that play that we ran before, we can now do that. Or maybe the left guard finally got it. Right. So it's the adaptability that I think LaFleur and the listenability that LaFleur brings to the table, I think that's just different than a lot of coaches in the NFL right now. And he did this this family tent thing that I mentioned a little bit on the show where it's just, you know, you walk out to practice like, what's that down there? That's... That's Aaron Jones's mom there. Yeah. She's been on Bill's show, and that's his little kid, Junior. And what, what are they doing? And it's like, okay, occasionally a family comes, but some of these families are out there every day. And they got a tent, they got some water, they got some picnic tables, and they can sit under the sun. And they're way down at the end of the field, so you don't have to worry about you know AJ Dillon running over a four-year-old. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Quadzilla knocking but, one out. You know, he's he's. It's like I still expect you to know the plays. And to be on time and, you know, keep your body in shape and and, and contribute in these meetings and and all that. But if you feel better about yourself or if it takes away the pressure that, you know, after practice, you can spend 15 minutes with your family or feel proud that they get to see what what daddy's actually going through. Right. You know, happier players hopefully means, you know, better football. It's 
he, he he's put all that military camp, you know, prison yeah. you know, inmates. The Bill Belichick you know. inmates. And on top of that, that's system. what Rodgers has done with Gutekinst as well. Because now, because today Gutekinst is saying, well, you know, you, you cut Juwan Winfrey, you know. And Gutekinst says, we're keeping in contact with Aaron Rodgers. Now, I think that your quarterback sometimes is, can be holding football operation decisions a little hostage. And what does that do to your locker room when I don't care if he's a 38-year-old, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah. If I'm a 25-year-old guy, it's like having a, a spy in your locker room, right? Yeah, yeah. If Rodgers is talking to the goodies that much, it's like, you know, can I trust this guy? Well, it depends on the decisions he makes. And then, on the other hand, if I'm a guy in that locker room and I'm on the bubble... Am I over sucking up to Aaron Rodgers well, to try to sure. make the team? Yeah. You know, does it become that? Yeah. So, I no, I completely get it. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a break. We are broadcasting live here at the, the Wisconsin State Fairgrounds. The Budweiser Pavilion is a rocker. The toys are on the stage. It's all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They are uh, in cooperation tonight with the Fisher House motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday. And we can't say thanks enough to them for raising the awareness here this evening. We certainly appreciate it. The crowd continues to build. It's getting bigger and bigger and wider and wider and much beyond the scope of our camera. That's for damn sure. But uh, thanks, everybody, for showing up here tonight and saying hello as well. And uh, we'll touch base with Ben Kenny when we come back also. Ben's, like, all salivating. He wants to pick college football games this weekend because football is back. So yeah. Ken, Ken, uh, ben Kenny just can't uh, – he can't contain himself at this, pan- at, at this point in time. I almost said his pants can't contain himself at this point in time. That's so. true, too. There you go. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. More of the Bill Michaels Show next. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back. Bill Michael Show broadcasting live here at the Wisconsin State Fair Park in the Bud Pavilion. And if you're watching on the Bud Light live stream, it really doesn't do it justice because, and I was just telling some people, the camera, as it gets darker, the camera's eye gets wider, which makes it look like the sun hasn't fully gone down. And the, the lights are a little brighter. It's just a little weird, but... Uh, the crowd continues to get bigger, and uh, which is awesome. And uh, they've done a lot. Can I for, tell you? Yeah, I needed this in the worst way. If you, I, I don't even know if I can show it. Uh, I don't know if 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 we can see it. There it is. Okay, so on us, above us, where Mike and I are, is a tree with all these tree lights. Yeah, and we are just in this nice. It's almost like football romance. We're Stop. in this nice glow. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> but no, we're in. Uh, we're, we're we're sitting at a, a basically a picnic table, uh, which is fantastic, and we've got everything set up. But the light is above us, giving us a nice glow. You've got a few things behind us, but out in front of us is what you see over on the Bud Light live stream, and that is the toys just rocking the house and the crowd getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, what a what a fantastic yeah, night here at the Wisconsin State Park. One of the best bands in the state the last thirty years, the Toys. Uh, people in a great mood, and this phenomenal weather. It's its fun, man. It's really good. So before we get out of here, Ben, Kenny, uh, so you're all, you're like salivating for college football this weekend in week one as it gets underway. 
and obviously was contemplating this weekend taking on Illinois State, the big game that everybody's talking about, Ohio State, number two in the country, or number three in the country, taking on number five, Notre Dame, over at the Shoe. Uh, obviously some Big Ten games to pay attention to that are coming up tomorrow night as well. So is there a game-specific, Ben, that, that you are focusing on other than the Badgers and Illinois State and obviously Ohio State Notre Dame? Well, first and foremost, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to sleep these days, but I wanted to get Mike's take on uh, Iowa-South Dakota State, whether he has a lean there, uh, Iowa minus 15 and a half, Mike. You're nuts, aren't you? <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> you are kidding me. I, I will say this one thing. Here's what I do know. The, the, the backup kid to Graham Mertz that got hurt and had to have the surgery. Chase Wolf. Or, yeah. Uh, Wolf. Yeah, for, yeah. The, for the batch. What's with the panic? Uh, my, 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 my kid, Miles Burkett from Franklin, actually went and saw him play in person last year. Well, because it helps. Uh, I know his dad. Yeah, well, okay. there you go. But that kid, man, the last time I saw a kid like that in high school around in Wisconsin, I said, that guy's going to be playing for the Badgers, if not the NFL someday, was John Clay. Yeah. I mean, at quarterback, it, nothing phased him. Nothing phased yeah. him. So, you know, you guys, you Badger guys, don't don't get so upset because Miles Burke is going to be a pretty good quarterback. Does it make you feel better, Ben? Uh, a bit. He's a true freshman. He'll get there. Uh, he did yeah. look up to Russell Wilson in high school or in grade school. Yeah. So the comp is there. He's athletic. Uh, but, no, I, right. I think I'm in love with the sheet. Maybe this is just week one of a college football semi-gambler uh, brain talking. But uh, Penn State-Purdue on Thursday should be a terrific one. Penn State three-and-a-half-point favorites. I like to knit in the Are Alliance. Are you rooting for Purdue in that one, though? No. I, I may or may not have said over the air that there's no chance in the world Purdue wins the Big Ten West. So I kind of need them to lose. Okay. Have you ever heard Zach and Ben when yeah. they do their show and all yeah. that? Hey, they're kind of football snobs. True freshman. What is yeah. that, man? Yeah. <laughs> Give the kid a break. It's Wisconsin. Yeah, he's a true freshman. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. There you go. <laughs> true football snobs. There you go. Uh, the experience here has been nothing short of fantastic. We have loved every minute of it. It is a picture-perfect night. Still cool. Uh, not even cool to the point where you need a jacket or anything. It's just still and nice and probably about 74, 75 degrees and it's perfect. Thanks to uh, the staff and management uh, of our friends over there at the Budweiser Pavilion. Thanks to our friends at Bud Light. Uh, all the support that we received here tonight from our friends uh, over at Fisher House, Wisconsin, and all of the riders and all of the people here that are making notes, that uh, are making donations and such. But it's been one hell of a night. And, again, if you want to find out more information about the motorcycle ride coming, on, uh, coming up on this Sunday, kickstands up at 11 a.m. We start to uh, open, up the pr- uh, open up the registration at 8 a.m., and uh, Fox 6 is going to be down there covering it. Uh, there's going to be breakfast foods and beverages and such. Yes, the brewery and such, all that whole area is going to be open for us. The uh, rooftop patio, everything. So come on by. But you can go to FisherHouseWI.org. That is FisherHouseWI.org. And go to the events page and find the big unit ride. And then just scroll down. You'll see a little link underneath it says register here. It's a weird week for me. Yeah? I'm so used to Labor Day weekend. They cut down to 53 on Saturday, same guys. Yeah. And then Labor Day, you know, you're you're talking about the new roster. Here we are. Labor Day is this coming weekend. There's no games in the NFL. They got right. that bye week before they start the 17-week season. So, I don't know. I'm, I may have to go out and buy a motorcycle and join you guys. They, got nothing no, to do. I'd like to see that. Right. I'd like to see that. You and a helmet, leathers, 
Assless chaps, you're good to go. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> give, give you my take on Iowa State's program. Right. Yeah. No, Mike, South by the way, the Buckeyes. South Dakota State, ahead, Iowa man. plays at 11 on Saturday. I think I have something for you to do. Yeah, he's got he's got some scroll work for you to do. I'm sure you're gonna I'm sure you're gonna enjoy. It. There's the lights. They finally kicked the lights on in the Bud Pavilion, up above. So it's all lit up now. It's a terrific night. Thanks to everybody for being a part of the program. Uh, the Buckeyes coming up 17 point favorites against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's all pissed off. So there's gonna be. And by the way, Josh Quinn, who was doing this work on the stage a little while ago, a Notre Dame alum, hates Ohio State. So we've had quite a few words back and forth today as well. So that's been a lot of fun. Good stuff, man. Did you have fun? I did. I'm going to go have some more fun right now. This is awesome. We're going to go ahead and take a, a break and go over and do a little imbibing and tearing down the equipment and then enjoy ourselves. And we'll be back out again tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow's broadcast will come to you live, live from our friends over there at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. Looking forward to it out in Oconomowoc. This has been the Bill Michaels Huddle, broadcasting live at the Bud Pavilion at Wisconsin State Fair Park. Time for us to go. Have a great night. Hup! The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.